Viva Las Vegas and what a show it was. And we welcome you to the after party of what is the Forecast F1 podcast. Uh, I'm here with Sam and Sam, I want to know from you, how did you enjoy the Las Vegas Grand Prix? Uh, what a whirlwind. Uh, chaos, I think, is one word to describe the weekend, but uh, thoroughly enjoyed the race. Absolutely enjoyed it. And uh, and of course, F1, there's no shortage of drama. And that certainly is something that I'm sure we'll talk about. Yeah, we were wishing for a spectacle in our previous episode, and I think uh, that's definitely what we got. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we're here joined by two other guests. And we're here with Manon and Maya from Mania on Board. Welcome, girls. Hello. Hi. Great to have you. How did how did the two of you enjoy this this Grand Prix or this whole weekend? Um, the whole weekend was was a thing because obviously with the the time difference, we didn't really get up for FP one and FP three, so we didn't really get to enjoy it as much as we do the others. But the sessions that we saw. I personally thought were really exciting. What do you think? Yeah, I think they were exciting. I think it feels like a bit of a fever dream. Like I was watching clips back already and I was like, did that happen this morning? Feels like it was the <laughs> middle of the night. So yeah, I think it's something to watch back, but it's been fun. There's been a lot of things that happened. And, and I think, well, me and Sam, I think we also watched the practice sessions and the qualifying um after the fact so we uh, for us it was in the middle of the night so we watched it in the mornings um i think the whole weekend sort of kicked off kind of in a an unconventional fashion uh, sam did you uh, because you watched uh, at what time did you watch fp1 or what was left of fp1 and then fp2 well uh fp1 fp2 i watched in the morning um i didn't watch them at 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 the time that they actually originally aired um, but I did watch them in the morning. And of course, I mean, what was of FP1, we should say, because it was definitely a short FP1. Um, and uh, and that was that that already, I guess, set the initial tone for the practices leading up to qualifying. Right. And and the uh, the drama and chaos that took place during that. Um why don't we talk about that? Because that was that was something that was really important that uh, that changed Ferrari's weekend and specifically Carlos Sainz. And that was the manhole cover that he drove over. And obviously there was a significant amount of damage that they received as a result during FP1. And uh, just to recap really quickly, due to that extensive damage and, and everything that was replaced, he was handed a 10 grid penalty as a result. So what was what was your thoughts? What was everyone's thoughts when it came to that situation? I I thought it was scandalous. I think uh, I did that metaphor with Maya uh, earlier today that if um, if your tra if your plane gets cancelled because there's something wrong with the plane, you get full compensation. But if it gets cancelled because of the weather, you get nothing. And I think in this case, it was clearly because of the track, the track's fault. So therefore, he shouldn't have been penalized. He should almost have been compensated by not getting the penalty. So um, I felt sorry for him because not only did he risk his health, like he could have gotten like really bad back injury or whatever, but he also like it destroyed his weekend. And I, I thought that was a bit unfair when it was clearly the, the Grand Prix's fault. I, I mostly agree with you. Uh -huh. Yeah, I think... Um... To some extent, it's like, of course, it's unfair that it happened and it's so unfortunate. And I think that 
the FIA needs to look at how they're going to approach these things in future because he shouldn't get a free power unit like without having a penalty but it, he wouldn't have changed his power unit if that's the case somebody actually suggested that they just say to all the teams just change a power unit so everyone's even <laughs> which I think is a bit <laughs> crazy too but I, I don't know how they could have made it fair yeah, but then you'll run into the problem that some teams might not, a team like Haas might not have a budget yeah. for, for, for yeah, doing exactly. that. But, but I do agree. I think uh, one of the components that he changed was the battery. And um, yeah, um, it, you know, it works. It's it's just a very complicated situation because um, I do agree that it was clearly unfair. And I think everybody mostly agrees with that. But um, on the other hand, you know, uh, it's just kind of strange that the rules do not, um, you know that there's nothing written in the changing of elements on on whether uh, what, what happens if if it's created by an outside force and what should be done in that case and um, you know I, I do think that should have been part of the rules but yeah I do also think that you can't just change the rules when you go along so when you're in the middle of a competition you shouldn't be changing the rules it's just a little bit unfortunate that nothing's been stipulated beforehand um but um but yeah of course i mean it, it completely destroyed science weekend and um yeah i mean it's just uh it's just very unfortunate for this to happen in the vegas race which of course uh, formula one was so promoting and wanted to go right but then so many things went wrong on that first day because this is one thing but then uh, the other mm -hmm. thing the the second practice session being delayed by um by one and a half hour and um and people being uh, chased off the stands, uh, I think that was, um, if, if if not even more uh, scandalous, uh, don't you think, Sam? Yeah, I completely agree. I think that when it came to that situation, uh, their explanation from my understanding was that it was for logistical reasons, but I don't, I think that's a very general statement. So, you know, the specifics as to why, unfortunately, the fans were moved, um, I I don't I don't see unless somebody else is able to know however it's really unfortunate if you're somebody who has paid I mean we we all know that Vegas was a very expensive weekend it was a very expensive Grand Prix for people to go and watch and so if you are somebody who could only afford to see let's say one of the practice sessions and you paid uh, to be able to see that and you were removed within I believe eight minutes of the start without much of an explanation and then as a result, you were given, I believe, a $200 voucher. I mean, that's yeah. just, if if you're a fan, if, if I was in those shoes, I wouldn't be satisfied at all. And so I think that something like that is really unfortunate from an organizational standpoint. I just, I, I did not, I, I did not understand that process. But I mean, going back, you also wonder if, um, finances may play a part in these in these decisions not not supporting it just trying to understand exactly why that took place because i know that leading up to the race they were reducing significantly uh the tickets and the hotel rooms that surrounded the track uh, because there was talk about the fact that they just had undersold the actual race itself and so you know if you're in a situation where clearly it cost a lot of money to put this together now you've removed the fans and uh, are are they making decisions based on cost and how much more money it's going to then now cost them? I don't know. Um, do I believe that that's right? No. I think that people deserve compensation 
if they have showed up to be able to watch something and they weren't they they didn't receive exactly what they paid for yeah what, and keep in mind that they that they didn't watch uh, either practice session because the, you know, exactly. the people that wanted to come to both like they only saw nine minutes of the first first one and didn't see the second one so i mean these yes it, it's just uh, it's outrageous yeah it's insane i think uh, some people were saying that it was because they couldn't figure out a way to do the practice session and then get everyone off the stands to open the streets in time for 6 a.m interesting okay i mean it's not it's not yeah that's so that's essentially what people were saying happened people who were at the race but i think the whole thing about it being so expensive and i think they made vegas not for people who were in vegas and not for normal people they made it for vips you could tell by how many like vip sections there were compared to normal grandstands and yes. it was made for like this glamour that just other circuits don't do so i'm not really surprised that something bad happened to like normal fans because I don't think they really cared about them, to be honest. I think they should just give them their money back. But I know it's difficult, but $200 voucher is is a bit of a joke. Or back at least, yeah, at least give back half because they tried to show FP1, but they couldn't show FP2. So at least give them money, not a voucher. <laughs> to be honest, I don't know. Did they have concerts that day? And would the concert have happened before the session because the session was starting late i don't did the fan get to see anything other than those 10 minutes because nowadays you've got those grand prix like the american ones at silverstone they're selling tickets that is the session but also the fan zone the concert this and that so i don't really know what the fans got to experience outside of racing that would justify not refunding them partially uh, that's a that's a good question but i would say since they're having trouble to sell tickets anyway they should mm -hmm. give those fans also a ticket for next year i mean that can solve mm -hmm. two problems at once yeah or discounts <laughs> yeah well but um with with all of that happening and with science weekend ruined um well in qualifying rather than a ferrari front pro lockout uh, we actually got signs moved back to p12 but there were a lot of other things happening in qualifying i actually thought it was quite a, a good qualifying session to begin with with all the troubles we've seen we had seen earlier that weekend um it was a it was a very good session with a lot of things happening uh with a few drivers uh, that we would have expected to make q3 who didn't and a couple of whom we didn't expect to see in q3 who were there how did the three of you enjoy that qualifying session uh, yeah it was i think it was a good one i think it was unpredictable which is the the most fun. Um, in some ways, it was very unpredictable. In other ways, you kind of knew who was going to be at the top. I think the McLarens were really surprising um, in quali. You do not expect that from them at this stage of the season, especially considering how they did in the race. Well, how Oscar did in the race. Um, I was expecting good things from the Williams, so that was great. Um, not that great, though. No, no. Like, let's not, uh, <laughs> you know, minimize... Logan Sargent in P7 uh, exactly. and P6 but yeah. he almost out I thought he was going to out qualify Alex until the last second he, his pace was yeah. faster than Alex this weekend yeah that's crazy and yeah Pierre Gasly on the second row was also a, a surprise because the Alpine is not the most relying, reliable car on the grid and overall I was surprised that there was no red flag yellow flag nothing it was such a clean session considering yes. it was the first like 
real racing session in Las Vegas. I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, that's a very good point. I, I think as well, the, the thing that we just mentioned earlier to touch on is just how exciting it was to see none of these drivers have experience on this track. And so outside of driving on a sim, to be able to actually be on the track at that moment in time with the environment, it was that whole element of excitement as well, because anything can happen. And so I, like you had mentioned, I really found it great that Sergeant Williams, you saw the Williams strength, you know that typically in a track like this with straight line speed, uh, they, they seem to do well. But to see Sergeant really be able to to compete with Albin and manage to get into Q3 was a was a really outstanding, obviously his best result of the season for qualifying. And yeah, seeing Gasly finish up there was was something as well. I would say for even Botas uh, to see him in the top 10 was was great because as of recently, Alfa Romeo's really struggled. And in comparison to his teammate, Joe, like Joe didn't have a great qualifying session. I believe he finished 18th. So yeah. I mean, the difference between the two and, and being able for Botas to really maximize the, the car itself out on that track was something fantastic. So I, I, yeah, it was surprising. I would to not see anything happen or any flags. I was expecting that <laughs> just because of the fact that this has been a track that they've never driven at before, and also the track temperature as well. I mean that that played a huge factor in terms of, um, n obviously grip and tire degradation itself. I thought that was quite exciting because the track was evolving so fast that it was a bit a game of like chicken. Whoever like goes out last will get quicker. But also because it's a track that is quite yellow flag and red flag friendly, if I may, you also don't want to like leave it too late and not get a lap. So this is the type of session that gets really exciting because they're all gambling a bit, pun non intended. But it made it like exciting to watch because you're like, oh, do I want my driver to go out early like Sergio Perez did? And in the end, it didn't work out for him. But when like Daniel got through to Q2 because everyone behind him got affected by Yuki's yellow flag at the end of Q1. So I found it so exciting because you can't, it's unpredictable in a way and it's fun. Yeah, exactly. I mean, because of the, the, asphalt being so cold you basically had to be on track constantly so so there was a lot of action during all three of the sessions like in, in a lot of quali qualifying sessions you usually see especially in 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 the first two that, that are longer sessions you see cars go out set a banker lap and go back in and then wait for a while and that kind of that whole part was um yeah it was not there people were constantly out on track except for mm -hmm. Perez in the end of Q2 like you just said and uh, I think that was uh, I think Red Bull sort of wanted him to have uh, a lot of empty space on the track for setting that lap just right before everybody else would go out and try. But um, but yeah, that wasn't the best uh, decision uh, after all. And and also Hamilton uh, didn't make it into Q3. I didn't exactly see that he have what what happened on his last lap in Q2. Did anything go wrong specifically, or did any of you notice that? I yeah, I think we that don't. he said that he just had nothing left. There was nothing left in the car to be able to give. Right. Yeah, I don't right. think it was anything happening. He just said he just couldn't. It's a shame, but the Mercedes weren't really 
Right, and we had the, we we also had a little bit of a <laughs> fight on track. I think that was still in Q one, where where Ocon and uh, Verstappen had a little bit of a tussle uh, into uh, going into the last lap and both going on the radio. Uh, what did <laughs> what did what did you make of that? Yeah, that was typical Max. That was funny. That I mean, was typical find... Esteban as well. Yeah, they they just love to fight with each other. And what we what we found was really funny was Max's racing engineer GP then saying it's okay he didn't make it into Q two like they're just as petty as each other and it's it's hilarious. Yeah, because uh, we yeah, saw in the shot during the the qualifying session we only saw where they kind of got together into turn one, but it already happened like going into starting their laps right. So I think uh, there was a yeah. bit of traffic and and I think Max was just about to go and start his lap and then Ocon passed him and and did the same thing. And it was a bit of a shame that we sort of missed that initial situation. I, I think, I think they never ever really showed it during the at least not on F1 TV. I, I I didn't see. I did see it afterwards uh, in some clips. And um, yeah, um, <laughs> I think both of you were right. Typical Max and typical Esteban. It's yeah. I think Max was just being petty and and sort of re overtook Esteban after Esteban overtook him. But the broadcast only showed Max doing it, so it made Max look like he was just, you know, bothering him for no reason. But it was retaliation, and nobody was right. It's like it's quality. Don't don't race. Don't take risk. But Esteban is always sort of like, you know, pushing it as fast as far as he can, and Max is not having it. It's funny because no one got hurt, but yeah. I think it's time to talk a little bit about the race and uh, I think I'm there's, so excited to talk about the yeah, race. Yeah, there's uh, lots of material <laughs> to talk about. Um, but let's yeah. talk a little bit about the start. I think uh, that's the, the the best way to start this. Um lots of things happening on the start. Yeah. Yeah, a lot lots happened. of things happening on the start. But it was so clean. I can't No, but it was clean. Like I can't believe that everyone came out of it. It it was you know, it, it was just <laughs> lack of grip. And the way that they managed to stay away from each other, I guess because there, there was that bit, bit of runoff, they were able to go wide if they needed to. And I think that really saved it. If the wall had been closer, I think it would have been a, it would have been insane. DNF worthy. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. No DNF, despite at least five different cars spinning, spinning, touching each other. No, oh, exactly. Yeah. It, it came. It did come quite close because uh, I mean, science touching. Hamilton and then also Alonso and Bottas kissing with their cars and you know I think there was a lot of <laughs> possibilities for DNFs but they but you're right they didn't happen yeah they all went in the pit and then went down their way and in a way it was a blessing because I felt like almost everyone was on mediums but then all the guys who got a bit of damage due to the um, first turn crash went straight away on hard and it sort of paid off for a lot of them so it's almost as if it was a blessing to have a forced pit stop at that yeah, the, time of the race. The only one who didn't decide to do that was Yuki, right? I think he started on, yeah. on softs and actually and that stroll. would have been like the opportunity to also go to hearts like the other, like a lot of the other drivers did, like you were saying, but he didn't. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah, he, he was P10, but then when the race got yeah. started again, he just fell back and back. I felt it was a little bit strange that he didn't, that he didn't change his tires. I feel if you start on softs and you have an early safety car, then, well, I mean, what, what are your options? I mean, I suppose would have been logical to do that but 
Yeah, definitely. During the safety, the London or a safety right. car, I was just waiting for them to beat UK yeah. and they didn't. And I thought that was really strange. It was really strange. I think Alpha Tower needs to think about their strategies. Like several weeks in a row, I've been like, what is happening? Yeah, no, you're look, right. It seems really random. Yeah, if you look at the comparison, because both Stroll and uh, Sonoda started on softs. And I mean, we look at Stroll's overall finish, but not just that, but he was he was one who actually pitted during the safety car. Mm-hmm. And when Sonoda didn't, so he took advantage of the softs. I mean, obviously their strategy. We would assume what, that their strategy was that they were hoping that a safety car was going to happen, but they would have the advantage of being able to move up the grid in the very beginning, which both of them were able to do. But yeah, mm-hmm. I I questioned that as well. That decision. I mean, if you take the two of them in comparison, you have Stroll that was able to pit during uh, one of the early safety cars. He already seeked his advantage in being able to move, I believe, up 10 spots. I think that was also primarily to that chaos at the start as well. <laughs> he bypassed that. But no matter what, the softs played an advantage and they were also well-timed in terms of the tire strategy. Whereas, yeah, it was really questionable when you then have Yuki where they didn't maximize on changing. And then, you know, like you had said, Anton, you just saw him fall down the grid. And that was really unfortunate because... Even for him overall on the weekend, he he didn't see success during qualifying. He he obviously had some issues there, and so it was a it was an unfortunate decision. And also, I, yeah, I completely agree with everyone here. It was questionable in terms of the strategy coming out of AlphaTauri. We also saw Ricardo not do so well as well. Um, both drivers didn't have a fantastic weekend. No, I think neither of them had the pace. Like even when Yuki was on hot, I've literally just looked at all of their lap times. So. Um, like Yuki when he was went on hard he was still really slow like way slower than even Daniel was so I don't know whether his car like because he DNF'd maybe he was having issues the whole way through but yeah the strategy didn't make any sense and we knew the AlphaTauri's weren't going to be good this weekend because their straight line speed is really bad but they just couldn't get their tires hot enough and it was a shame yeah and to know that wasn't even able to finish the race I think he had gear gearbox issues wasn't it yeah, yeah, yeah. some sort of technical trouble. Both him and Nico um, had that issue towards the end of the race and had to DNF, which was unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Actually, let's let's talk about since since we're talking about getting into the topic of DNF, um, Norris and his crash. That was a that was a pretty nasty crash there, and it looks like he lost the rear uh, when that happened. What what was everyone's thoughts there? Yeah, it it was scary, and and at the same time, it was sort of what we expected uh, the race to be because everyone had been talking about how slippery it was going to be, how how much they were going to lack grip. They were talking about an ice skating race and all that. And I think this is literally what happened to him. He just lost it in a corner and suddenly the car had like, you know, a, a man of its own. So that was what we expected to happen even more almost. Uh, and I'm glad he's okay because that, that first hit, uh, on the rear was like really really bad. I'm glad the runoff was super long so that he got to slow down a bit before he hit the wall the second time. But yeah, it's a scary one where yeah, he's just a passenger. Like there's nothing he can do to hold the car. And yeah, it 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 feels like his tires just stopped stopped working, just slipped. Yeah, and it, it, I think it happened on lap three or so, and I was thinking exactly the same thing what you just said okay, this is going to be a race full of this type of incidents. But in the end, um, I mean, 
when everybody went on hearts, I thought that that's going to be uh, the time when people are going to like have these sort of issues. But in the end, that didn't really happen so much. It, 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 luckily, so I mean, uh, good that nobody got injured. Um, but um, yeah, uh, the Norse crash was heavy indeed. Looking at uh, looking at a couple of the other teams, I I, <laughs> I don't know how about you, but I was definitely hoping for Williams to hang on. We already talked about their good qualifying. Um, yeah, I was really hoping that they would manage to stay ahead of other teams. Um, of course, it was going to be difficult from the start, uh, but I don't know. I was thinking that perhaps on on with, with the two long straights that they would be able to uh, yeah fend off those with DRS behind them. In the end, uh, neither Albon or Sargent finished in the points, uh, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, I was really hoping for some Williams point there, but um, that didn't happen. Yeah, it's a real it's a real shame because they obviously had the one lap pace. But I think Alex said in his interview on uh, maybe after Quali actually, he said that they'd been really struggling with graining on their long run. So I think maybe their tires just went, um, and their pace wasn't wasn't great to be honest over the whole race. So it's a shame. It's a real shame. But I mean, we're Alpha. We want AlphaTauri to do well. So you know, for that fight, it's nice for the championship <laughs> points. Yeah, but actually but, that um, fight there in the back is very interesting indeed. Yeah, yeah. and it's still interesting now. Well, the the battle for P7 is, is going well. Hot. But Rana, you've got an amazing battle for P2 next week. You've got Aston Martin really close to McLaren and you've got the teams at the back fighting for P7. So Abu Dhabi is actually going to be really exciting from a constructor's point of view. Yeah, I agree. And and Alpha Tauri with none of the cars really making any, any good... Um, or not having a good qualifying session and, and all of their competitors having at least one car in um, in Q3 and Williams even two cars. I, th I think they mm -hmm. felt going into the race that uh, they were going to lose out a lot uh, compared to the other teams. But you're right, it's still it's still very close together. And uh, that makes that does make the last race of the season very interesting indeed. Well, we know we know one thing for sure, and that is that after this race, uh, Checo has secured the second um, position for the driver standings. So that's not going to change. Um, I would imagine that for him, it's probably a significant relief <laughs> yeah. being yeah. able to to secure that title after the after the year that he's had. Yeah, it took too long. Right. Like, let's be real. It took way too long for him to secure that P2, considering the car that he's in. Um, but, you know, it's happened. At least it's finally happened. And yeah, I, I, I can imagine that. So they did mention, like, maybe they can, like, confirm Chaco now, but that would look bad. It would look like they were waiting for it. So, I mean, he is confirmed. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, know, I don't but... know how many times they can say Chaco's seat is not at risk. They will only say yeah. something if that changed, but they're not going to. The contract is already confirmed, is what I mean. Yeah, it's a contract well, until the end of last of uh, next season. So um, yeah. yeah, in that respect. But uh, yeah, I, I guess on the one hand, relief is maybe what he feels after this weekend. On the other hand, I guess there's there's some mixed feelings there because um, uh, two races in a row to to see uh, uh, your final finishing position just being one step lower uh, mm -hmm. I guess that cannot be a very great feeling yeah it's um, it's interesting to see because when Max drives the RB19 it feels like you know like the rocket ship that it is you, you felt like there's no way you can catch him 
like the five second penalty was almost a, a godsend of hope for Charles that maybe he had that, you know, he was ahead that way. But with Checo, the other cars actually feel like they can, they can challenge it challenge it so from like um excitement racing perspective it's really interesting but it's it's so weird to see that when max drives it is unattainable chico's getting easy to overtake and it's um it's a bit of a worry in a way for red bull because if the team get closer next year then because i feel like lewis lost p2 because of a lot of bad luck the disqualification you know lots of other things so yeah chico got it but you know, what does it really mean in terms of results? Yeah, and um, at a certain point in the race when uh, Verstappen and, and Russell touched uh, uh, after that, uh, Perez was, was in P1. And um, I think at that point, you know, we were all wondering how big a damage on Max's car would be and whether he would be. But looking back at it, actually, uh, that uh, crash and their um, also the, the safety car, it kind of played a lot into Max's favor because um, I'm, I, I dare to say that without that safety car, Leclerc might have actually won the race because he, he yeah, would have been on so. five lap fresher tires and um, um, uh, things would have played out very differently, I think. Yeah, and I think that also Leclerc, like how he was driving uh, during that race, I mean, he just gave it his all. He, he had some fantastic, bold uh, overtakes and one of the like the two overtakes that he had on Checo were were just I mean they they were they were really great and of course the very last one on the last lap so I I think that he was just in fine form uh for the race and obviously he secured pole during qualifying so he had a lot of things working in his favor and I agree with you Anton I think that had that safety car not have come out uh the actual outcome of the race could have been a lot different and we may have seen Leclerc win it yeah he was so close to Max the whole time it was amazing like there was a moment where Max started to pull away near the beginning but then Charles was was just there he was suddenly in his DRS and I think it was incredible how he managed to do that yeah in the press conference he said that the DRS was incredibly strong in this race which I think is really exciting because or expecting him to pull away and it's nice that he didn't get to um but also it's it's one of those where you think oh my god max got a five second penalty max was had a broken front wing and he still managed to win and it's like oh, what does it what does it take for them to like catch him but i'm really glad that charles managed to get back to Checo because i felt like you know mentally after a year of being dominated by the red bull like the fact that they still have that fight it's quite it's quite good to know because like if you if you think back to Baku where Charles got pulled for both the sprint and the race and it took them like three laps for both Red Bull to overtake and he just let them go and secured B3. I like that this time around he was like, no, I can I can actually challenge for P2, maybe P1. And I I appreciate that. And I was I was rooting for him a bit to win because he's had a lot of bad luck this season. And um I wanted I wanted that for him. Yeah, and and, and Charles was very very brave on on his on his breaks at the end of the straight like consistently yeah. throughout the whole race i think that was was very spectacular and um it was good to see actually well i mean again he gets a pull and he doesn't win the race but i think he went away uh with a bit of a smile on his face because um i think he he, he impressed a lot and he did what he could and um it could have been better but um yeah well circumstances were what they are and um or are what they were <laughs> 
And uh, yeah, I guess <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, it's difficult to beat Verstappen in a, in this RB19 this year. Well, look, I mean, one thing to just um, finish off with Leclerc is he secured driver of the day. But, you know, not only do I think that he deserved it, but you think about for all drivers there, they're again, they're on a track they've never been in before. Um, The tire, the the, uh, tire maintenance in general was a significant factor going into this weekend. You also have a them themselves have been uh, notoriously struggled throughout the season with tire degradation, which seemed to not only was he able to maintain his tires through the race on a track that he's never driven before, but like you said, Anton, he was extremely brave with his underbraking and then uh, just well-timed moments when it came to overtakes. So I I really feel like in terms of, although obviously Max secured the win and he had some impressive moments as well, I, I feel like just Leclerc, this this was a race after after a season of of unfortunate situations and, and woes ultimately. Um to come out in a race like this, I mean it's it's something that is quite impressive and I and I think that regardless of of who maybe somebody's favorite driver is or your stance, you can't help but um but have maybe some element of elation for Leclerc on a weekend like this. Yeah. He deserves that. Yeah. Well, let let me ask everybody this when it comes to the track. Uh, I mean, we saw obviously a race that was nonstop action. I mean, there was there was consistent overtakes, wheel to wheel racing. So, I mean, with a track like this and being as it is the first time, what was everyone's thoughts of the actual track itself of the layout? Well, I felt that it was interesting that there was a lot of criticism about well about the whole weekend um, and uh, about it just being there for the show, but also about the track. Um, I think there was a lot of comments on that. And um, on the show part, I think, well, that depends. I mean, whatever way, whichever way you look at it, I understand that criticism. Uh, I think for F1 purists, maybe it's not the most uh, exciting weekend. But on the track, I think it's very difficult to judge before you've actually driven it. So... Um, I think it turned out to be a great race. And, I, and if it were for me, I would say that in terms of racetrack, it's actually pretty exciting. And of course, um, you know, the circumstances with the, the temperatures being lower and everything that plays a part, but that's that makes it a little bit of an outlier compared to other tracks in the, in the season, which for me is fun. I mean, I don't want all the tracks to be the same. So actually, I kind of like that. Um, and I felt it was interesting that a lot of people were criticizing the track for its layout before we've driven the race and and then well i mean luckily it turned out to be actually a pretty good racing track that doesn't mean it's always going to be a good racing track i mean there's certain other tracks like i'm personally not that much of a fan of for example the layout of baku but we 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 see that it can turn out to be a very good race over there as well and and sometimes it's not i mean you know it's not going to be the same every year so um this year was very good let's hope that um well i don't know how long is it i think it's going to be there for at least 10 years right so let's hope Mm -hmm. that the other nine is going to be good too (laughs) i think like before the race obviously we didn't know anything about the layout um i think maybe in future it would be cool for them to do it a little bit earlier in the year so that we don't have the problem of it being really really cold i don't know if that actually changes anything because it's a desert but um yeah but it, it does it's colder now than it would be let's say in the middle of the year so yeah right. i think that, that i think that would help them to push from like lap one rather than i mean there was actually action because there was a bit of chaos 
But um, I think that would, you know, help to push. Or if they had like support series or something, that would be really cool. I think that there's lots that can be done with this circuit. Um, and I'm sure it will evolve and change because it's a street circuit and it can quite easily. Um, so yeah, I think it'll be it'll be interesting. And it was a good show. And maybe the straights are a bit much, but you know, it's fun to see overtakes. In a way, I think my favorite thing about this track was the straights, just because we're not used to having so many straights. Yeah, and I think it's nice that we've got like some variation uh, among the trucks um, during the year. And that the cars that have good straight line speed get to shine in that specific one and the low speed corners and a track where the DRS is stronger than in other races. So yeah, the one thing I would change is make sure it's not too cold. So either do it earlier in the day or earlier in the year, but I've just looked at the calendar for next year and it's scheduled on the 21st of November. So yeah, I don't right. know if they're <laughs> able to change it or if they'll change it for the year after. But so, yeah, my issue is the whole like gambling around tires was a bit like, oh, well, you can't really like showcase what your car is capable of in that track because the temperature is like messing with you. But I like the idea that overall the layout was so different from other tracks that it made it exciting in a different way. And I personally like I personally like Baku. So having like two tracks like Baku on the calendar, I think is quite nice. It's just it changes it varies it's fun it's like i think it could be a, a truck that would become people's favorite not everyone but it could be some people's favorite because people like to see overtakes on a straight people so i yeah i'm not i'm not disappointed i'm actually happy with it as a truck i do think actually that because of slow because of low temperatures actually the the, the degradation wasn't that high so actually drivers were pushing constantly which is somewhat mm -hmm. similar to what we saw at qatar but that was because of mm. uh, like other rules that they uh, evoked there but um it was actually quite nice to see uh, all drivers being quite racy out there and not managing so much so actually mm -hmm. that kind of plays into the the excitement of the race i, I do think what sam what was your own thoughts on the track well, I was going to say, I believe that uh, the reason why they decided to place it in November in the calendar is more so because of the city itself, Vegas. It seems to be um, during that what they call more of an off season. Uh, so because they have less people actually coming to Vegas, it, it works more around uh, hosting the event because, of course, which was which was also something that a lot of people. Uh, reports that were coming out of of locals complaining about about the um disruption into their lives that that it took out of when it came to the track and and the location of it and the whole event itself because i believe it took nine months to put this entire thing together uh, so there was a lot of work put into it but at the same time it's at the cost of obviously shutting down a, a large part of of uh of an important area of the city so i believe that november was the reason why they decided that is just simply because of the fact that it's a that it's a lower uh revenue season for the city as a whole but i think that uh when it came to the track itself i i was uh vocal in uh, in previous episodes that we've done where i was i was hesitant on the track and i was hesitant 
on exactly how much wheel to wheel racing was going there was going to be. Uh, but I mean, in my opinion, after seeing the race and like you said, Anton, you know, you can you never really know what's going to happen until you actually see a race take place on the track. And to be honest, I, I would say that I definitely stand corrected because I feel like it was uh in a very exciting race. I think that the layout that is there, I mean, with um, with the two DRS zones and most uh, mainly the straight that goes, that just so happens to go up the main strip. I mean, that's such a long straight and it really gives the ability for uh, cars that excel in that straight line speed to really be able to stretch their legs. And you saw a lot of uh, interesting overtakes as well around some of the bends that took place just after the that specific straight. So I, I thought that you saw a lot of really great action. You saw a lot of opportunity for um, the, the actual <laughs> grid to constantly change. And uh, you saw some drivers really excel in those areas, similar to uh, like Leclerc, Ocon had a fantastic race as well. Uh, some really, some really brave overtakes. Piastri really excelled during the race when it came to those situations. So it, it's, it's just something that, you know, after a first race and everybody kind of getting their feet wet, as you move forward and and as every year progresses like how much more exciting are is this wheel to wheel racing going to be uh, so i thoroughly enjoyed it i think that there's a lot of promise behind um seeing more excitement on an annual basis at this track so um yeah i i thoroughly enjoyed it i mean maybe again from an organizational standpoint there could definitely be some improvements but overall from a race perspective i thought it was really enjoyable So let's turn to Forecast F1 scores for this weekend. We actually had a record amount of people playing the game this weekend. We had 611. Uh, the previous record was 555 during the Woo-hoo! Japan weekend. So um, so that's really nice. We had a average score of 45.1 points. And um, well, just before we kick into the quiz in a little bit, um, how many people do you think predicted a correct podium with uh, Verstappen, Leclerc, Perez, uh, Sam? I'm going to say a very low number, like three people. Maya, Manon? In that order, right? Yeah, exactly correct oh. podium. P1 Did you say for three? P2. Three out of six. Yeah, I guess three. Yeah. <laughs> wow, okay. I'm not I usually think... good at this guessing game, so. <laughs> I think um, 115. Yeah, I think how many? Mm, I'm going to say... 170. I think we'll... All right, that means... Yeah, no, that means that Maya got gotten closest because it was 67 people who got that. Okay, I wasn't that close. Well, I think I underestimated a lot of people. Um, yeah. Okay. I think I got the podium right, but in the wrong order. You? Yeah. Well, we'll we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, yeah. Uh, let's let's first see who won the overall weekend. So um, actually, we have a shared uh, P1 finish this weekend. So we had two people who scored the 
same amount of points. So in no exact order, uh, the winner of this weekend is Lisette Cruz from Mexico. She scored 76.5 points. Um, she actually didn't get the full podium correct. She had uh, Verstappen on P1, Leclerc on P2, but had Pires on P4. Mm-hmm. Um, so she scored 50% of the points for that and uh, did get Stroll correctly in P5, which is, um, that's, that's, that's quite uh, surprising. I don't think a lot of people uh, got that right, but uh, we'll see about that later in the quiz. Um, she got Sainz on P6, Hamilton on P7, and still scored 50% of the points for uh, P9, uh, putting Russell on P9, who finished on, uh, on P8. The other person scoring 76 and a half points was Francesco Tanti. Uh, he's our only player in the game from Malta. And he did get a correct podium, had signs on P6, Hamilton on P7, Russell on P8, and scored 50% of Piastri's points for having him on P9, finished on P10. Um, third place was for Felix Munch, who is our only player from Denmark in the game, and he scored 75 points. He had a correct podium, signs on P6. Russell on P8 and did get PS3 on the right spot in P10. Um, with those scores, we don't have any new incomers in the worldwide high scores. Um, so let's move on to the overall competition. And um, we see there that uh, Jesus Diaz from Uruguay scored 65 points this weekend, um, which brings his total to 1175 and a half points. And uh, that means he's now actually 28.8 points in the lead to p2 so he's he's getting very close to uh, to winning this this season um second is diana milojevic who was actually p4 previously uh, she scored 67 points and uh, goes from p4 to p2 and um on p3 was our is our previous p2 and that's tobias Jolie from france uh, scored only 45 points um and um yeah for being for so long on p one now finding himself on p3 um yeah that's yeah that's a little bit that's sad unfortunate for, for yeah sad uh, it's okay Tobias. Uh, you have one more race to go i didn't want to make the comparison but i i kind of <laughs> felt it too yeah <laughs> he's got one more race to go i have faith i have faith in tobias uh, i i think that you know he may be a dark horse now and maybe not uh you know you never know you never know what can happen you never 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 know um Jesus might get a DNF and figure him be too late for the deadline. Who knows? <laughs> um, uh, so let's look at our scores for a little bit. And uh, Maya, you said that you thought you got the podium right. Yeah, no, you I got didn't. The podium just almost checked. right. Yeah. <laughs> I just checked. I, don't, I was so positive about Fernando Alonso. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you went with Verstappen, Leclerc, Alonso. Emmanon, you went with? Um, Max, uh, Max Charles and uh, Carlos. I was hoping that yeah, Carlos right. would just do a wild comeback. It's not a bad, that's not a bad choice. I mean, had he not have gotten the grid penalty, you could have done really well. I mean, he had yeah, the grid penalty when I played because I always play at the last, very last second. But I thought Ferrari were looking so good. He was so confident on the track. And I mm. thought, you know, depending on how everything goes with strategy, he could have come back. I think had he not spun, at the start, he, mm. he probably could have, or maybe not, because he had that full speed stop that put him on hard. You know, what if, with what ifs, we can redo the race. But I don't know. I, w- I was betting on him for that P3. Well, he, he finished P6, so it's only three plays away. That's that's yeah. still 12.5% of his points. It's one point mm. that you got for signs. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but... Uh... <laughs> 
So, um, so yeah, the two of you actually got very close. Did you check your your scores as well? No, or not yeah. yet? Okay. So um, actually, you got pretty pretty close. Uh, Maya, you have fifty eight point three points, and Manon, you got fifty point eight points. So. Um, Uh, yes. I feel like especially getting Hamilton correctly on P7, Maya, got you, uh, yeah, that, oh, that, that was so random. Yeah. yeah, I got nothing wrong <laughs> except for the top two. Okay. So in the weekend, um, Maya, you finished P105, Manon P218. Both of you move up a little bit in the, in the overall classification. So Maya, you go from 370 to P352. And Manon, you go from P413 to P396. So you're in, in the top 400. Nice. Um, <laughs> Very well done. Yeah, I'm not really good at this game, so yay. <laughs> Sam, you're laughing, but what podium did you go with? <laughs> uh, I went with Verstappen, Leclerc, Norris, I believe. No, not with not with Norris. You went with the other McLaren. Oh, there. Piastri. Sorry, Piastri, and then Norris P4. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. Yeah. Well, um, you did actually have Alonso on the correct spot. You had him on P9, but um, yeah, you scored fifty-one point five points, and that got you P two hundred six this weekend. And that means in um, the overall um, uh, competition, you move from P81 to P76. You're getting really? very close to your final position of last year. Isn't that funny? Wow. What was my final position last year? You were P74. Really? Ooh. Okay. That's that's interesting. That's yeah, interesting. So you might, you might just get there with the last race in Abu Dhabi, but... Uh, you never know. Yeah. You never, never, never know. <laughs> um, myself, I did get the podium correct. I did go with Verstappen, Leclerc, Perez. Oh, wow. And um, yeah, I actually had a pretty decent weekend for once. I scored 68 points. So that actually gets me into the top 20. I had a shared P19. No actually way. shared with uh, Nancy, who um, who was also on the pod earlier uh, earlier this year, who we went to the Canada race with. Yeah. And um and actually, uh, Matteo, who's been on the podcast twice, he just outscored me by 0 0.5 points. So, uh, wow. so yeah, um, it was pretty close uh, in that top 20. But um, um, yeah, talking about uh, talking about predictions and quizzes, let's go into the quiz where the three of you guess how many people playing the game got the drivers in the right positions. So again, I remind you, there were 611 people who were playing the game. And um, Sam, you can start. How many people do you think went with a Verstappen win? I'm going to say 574. I went lower. Go for it, Maya. I was By just... the way, I have the order written down in that Sam goes, then Manon goes, then Maya goes. Okay. okay. <laughs> so Manon's saying 546. See, I've got it written up. You don't have to show me. I just want you to know that I'm <laughs> changing my result based I'm on Sam. So, I'm just saying... But you can change them based on what the other has if you want to. I mean, it's, I, yeah, it's fine. Think yeah, about it beforehand, but you're you're free to say whatever you want. If you want to go with three people, you go with three people. Okay, I'm going just five hundred, exactly. All right. Well, that does get you the first point because it was only four hundred eighty and eight wow. people actually. Um, that's relatively low uh, compared to what we usually get. We usually get around 90% of the people. Um, but there were a lot of people who went with other wins. So there were 76 people who went with a Leclerc win. There were 17 people with a Norris win. Nine people predicted Perez to win. 
eight people went with a Hamilton win, seven with a Sainz win. Um, bit surprising, perhaps, with the 10 plays grip penalty. Then five people went with an Alonso win. And yeah, there was one guy from Italy who went with a P1 for Sargent. Um, Okay. <laughs> uh, but, uh... Well, it's okay. I mean, yeah. I guess maybe, maybe the yeah. hometown, uh, maybe that was what influenced the decision. Well, not hometown, but I would say uh, country. <laughs> but still, no. Well, I, it, yeah. Well, we were talking about it with a few people and looking at his previous predictions. He actually does pretty well usually during the weekend. So I don't know what uh, what what happened here. <laughs> but um, anyway, all right. First point for Maya, and um, we go to P two Leclerc. So Manon, you can go first. So for Charles, I said four hundred and ninety. All right, Maya. I said four hundred and seventy-two. Did you know? I did. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> all right. I went with two hundred and forty-five. All right, Sam, that gets you a point because it was 209 people. Okay. Do you not have faith in him? Not at all, and I get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was still the most amount of people that went with a P2 Leclerc. Norris was um, second favorite with 136 people. And then, um, yeah, well, um, I guess in general, the first position is always well for a lot of people a lot of people go there with the stop and then what comes afterwards usually the numbers drop down a little bit but let me not give too much away uh we go to uh, p3 perez maya how many people got perez on on p3 Change my answer because i've gone way too high uh 152 <laughs> that sounds so i'm gonna say 45 45 Yes, you said that almost like a like a question. Okay. No, no, no. What I does just, that no, mean? I, I didn't hear you right. I didn't hear you. No, you were breaking okay. up. I thought okay. it was Okay, yeah, no, 45. Okay, 45. Okay. okay. I'm going to say 79. Uh, there goes another point for Maya because it was 140 people, so you're only 12 off. Killed. My original answer was two, 278. <laughs> 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 oh, no. We don't know what we're doing. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, that's that's totally right. fine. I, I'm that. That's my statement every single weekend when it comes to the picks. Yeah, Sam <laughs> usually hardly knows what she's doing. We're here for the vibes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sam. And, uh, On to Ocon. Show off by predicting P four Ocon. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna throw a wrench in the mix and say that nobody chose Ocon for P four. I picked seven. Okay, I'm gonna go with three. All right, Maya, that gets you another point. It was only two wow. people. So, yeah, you're, Maya, you're on a roll. roll. So Sam, annoying. This close. is not what you wrote. Did you that? <laughs> I wrote seven. <laughs> made up some numbers. You earlier. just cheat based on what we say. No? Yes. I've changed. <laughs> Let's not bicker on it. It's okay. Listen, you can change it at, at the very last minute. And to be honest, if I had if I had really put a little more thought into it, I probably would have increased my number on Perez just because of the fact that I was surprised how many people picked him on the podium. So that that would mean that the number would be higher than what I had chosen. So, yeah, maybe a smart smart decision. Well, Sam, we actually going back to that. I already mentioned that there were sixty-seven people who got the whole podium correct. Yes, I correct. realized so, that. Yeah, going with forty-five <laughs> people for P three Paris. Well, didn't make the, sense, the, did the, it? That was clever yeah, move, but yeah, that's all right. That's all right. That's that's yeah. that's, that's yeah. how it goes. Um, yeah, actually, the only two people who had Ocon there on P4 were Farhan Gulsar from Bangladesh and Javier Sandy from Bolivia. 
and we move to another one that I definitely didn't predict was Stroll and P5. So I said nine people. We're going to change again. I'm going to change again. Of course I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with one. Okay. Well, I had written down two. All right, Sam, that, that, that point goes to you because it was four people. Oh, really? Okay. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Four people had confidence in his result. Okay. I don't like yeah. losing. Uh, <laughs> and I'm going to have to deal with her all evening. So thank you. It's fun. <laughs> Listen, as F1 fans, I mean, I feel like all of us have that element of, of having to be competitive. Like, I don't, I don't know if any of us would like losing. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, but I'm sure the two of you will have some interesting conversation once we're done. You never know. We're still at how many? How many? We still have um, four more four more uh, picks. So it's anyone's game, I guess. What's the current score, Anton? And the fastest five plus fastest lap exactly. Five to go exactly plus right. fastest lap. Yeah, um, I should host instead of playing. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say I'm the lucky one who never loses, but then again, I also never win. So I guess it is yes. what it is. Um, but yeah, signs, Maya, how many people had signs on P6? Um, let's go 60. I'm going to go high. Okay, I had 67. I've got 100. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, that doesn't get you a point either. Uh, yeah, this point goes to Sam as well. She's only 14 off. It was 81 mm, people. Nice. Okay. It's okay. Yeah. So it's three against three. Oh, nice. Um, I like it. Yeah. Manon's original yeah, number yeah, was uh, over 300. Just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm not laughing. I'm not laughing. Oh. Uh, and I do think Sam's in the advantage here because she's played this game for a whole season already. So exactly. well, advantage, yes, but but by how much is questionable considering my choice for Perez. I I, I undershot it knowing that there was sixty seven people, um, that had the podium right, and I still went with forty five. So <laughs> that doesn't say much. It's all right. You can you can still have a comeback. Uh, True. You can try now with, with uh, Hamilton? Hamilton on P seven. Okay, I went with yeah. lucky number thirteen. I'm going to say thirty. You forget her numbers. It's so funny. Um, I'm going to say twenty-two. So thirteen, thirty, and twenty-two mm -hmm. means that Manon okay. gets her first point because it was seventy-five people. Yay! Oh, okay. I wouldn't have had the point with my four hundred and sixteen original <laughs> answer. See, that's why I allow people to change because uh, because this this did get you a point. Very good. Um, and you can also uh, straight away guess how many people had Russell on P eight. The other Mercedes. A hundred and thirty. I don't know. I just think he belongs there. You know. Am I next? Yeah. Um, ninety-one. Okay, everyone's going high. Oh, um, I'm gonna say forty-four, which is a is a ironic number. So forty-four. <laughs> All right. Well, it's somewhat in the middle of what Manon and Maya went with. It's a hundred and nine. So that means that Manon's twenty-one away and Maya's only eighteen away. So the point goes to Maya. What was your original answer? <laughs> and something well 183 well i give up for it. it's fine it's fine i don't care 
<laughs> All right. Um, Alonso was on P9. Okay. Maya. P9 for Alonso. I should have gone lower. I'm going to go 37. Okay. Is it my goal? I'm Anton. Okay. Yes, okay. <laughs> uh, 42. Okay. I'm going to say 62. All right, that's very close. It was 67, so that's your point. Please. Very close. In the, right, um, in, the right, six, in the 60s. Yay! It's it's now two for Manon, it's three for Sam, and four for Maya. We have two questions okay, left, and we go first <laughs> to... Well, actually, both questions are about PS3, but the first one is how many people had them on P10? Uh, I'm going to say 14. Um, Peter Foscar, I'm gonna say nine. I'm gonna go 19. All right, that means that you've already won because you get this point. It's 52 people, so I went high because your, yours was the best, yeah. Then I know, then I exactly. well, yeah, I, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm so proud. Well, let's still play the bonus point for PS3 on fastest lap. <laughs> no, no. Um, I said 37, so I'm going to stick with 37. Yeah, I'll go with my original answer, which is going to be something ridiculous. 150. 150 believers okay. I'm going to go opposite. I'm going to go low and say 12. Well, low is, is the number. Uh, if there, was, there was only one person who had PS3 on fastest lap. Oh, wow. I guess he's... Yeah. he's never had, has he ever had fastest lap? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't have that type of data in my head. I don't think he has, no. Well, actually, he did. He got it in uh, in Monza. He had fastest lap as well. Yeah. But he, he didn't finish in the first 10 places, so he, he didn't get that point. But he did get fastest lap during that race. Okay. It was uh, Matias Pucheta from Argentina who got that correct. Before we look forward to the last race of this year, uh, which is going to be Abu Dhabi, um, let me first ask uh, Manon and Maya to tell a little bit about the things you do on social media, on Instagram, on Discord. I don't know if there's any other um, uh, social medias that you're on. And um, tell a little bit about the, uh, the different type of videos that you make. Um, I always see a lot of things passing by, like the, the Red Bull Comedy Club and the F1 cars that can talk and, and, and the lap time analysis from um, from Maya. Tell a little bit about what the two of you do and, and, and with what reason behind it. And um, yeah. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're on all of the social media now. Um, all of them. Not, well, not Facebook because what, what do you do on that? But we are, <laughs> yeah, we're on Instagram, we're on TikTok. We have a YouTube channel. Um, yeah, and we have a Discord as well. And we're on FanAmp. We are literally on every every social media. Um, and we make a mixture of videos. Um, most of the stuff we make right now is about Red Bull um, because they're our favorite team. Well, actually, it's mostly about Daniel Ricciardo, to be fair, at the moment. But um, <laughs> And we make... Some comedy videos. Well, Manon makes the comedy videos, so I'll let her talk about those because she's the funny one. 
and um come on that that elevator pitch is really bad right we don't actually do just an Ricardo videos but it's true that after red bull uh secular constructors championship there's not much to say in terms of a uh, strategy analysis and stuff like that so when maya does teammates comparison or, or the strategy analysis video she does tend to focus on alfatari because they're the ones who have just come out of nowhere so they're the ones that um, are interesting to look at but yeah we do a lot of comedy uh so i have the red bull comedy club which is which is not really me it's me editing it but it's just um a mont- an edit of like the red bull drivers being silly and funny during the weekend and we've been lucky enough that max has been in most press conferences because he's in the top three all the time so he gets to be funny and relaxed and it's just viral videos because they're just really funny and i make uh if everyone cars could talk which is me pretending to be the cars in park for me after the race having conversations so they each have their personalities <laughs> they banter they bicker they they get hurt sometimes if the cars has got damaged during the race so it's it's quite funny it's entertaining for me to make and people seem to like them so and sometimes we do some news covering coverage as well just yeah more on tiktok if you know just us chatting about things and yeah where did you start did things. you start with um yeah. with with youtube or with instagram or where did you start um we started on tiktok i i don't really know why but i posted an edit that i made about daniel on there and a lot of people watched it and so it made me want to like make more and we thought oh might as well do instagram at the same time but now we like instagram more um because we enjoy um, building the community. So I also did, all year, I did a quiz every Sunday that I didn't have a Grand Prix, which I called the non-race Sunday quiz. And so each Sunday I would do eight questions on my story. So it's not a real, it's not a something to reach out to new people. It's really just for followers. So that's what we like about Instagram. There's a, there's a sense of community of being able to talk to people in the end and that what we do is shown to the people that follow us, which tiktok is not really good at so yeah we sort of we we still post on tiktok but it's not really where we want to grow because we like being able to chat to people and um and we're lucky enough because we're focusing a lot on red bull we have a lot of um dutch followers and they're just they're the best i love i love when they make fun of me for trying to sing the dutch national anthem it's really entertaining (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's all about you know we want to create a space where people are free to like like you know make fun of each other and banter within the sport because you know f1 f1 twitter especially can be a bit toxic and i feel like some creators are are afraid to say like whose team they're rooting for who's their favorite driver and we feel like it's a shame if you're in a in a space that's talking about sport it's really sad if you can't really express that you're actively rooting on for someone and and someone you want to sometimes you want to see someone else fail because this is the game but you can do it respectfully without becoming a hater or bullying someone off a platform. So we're trying to create that that middle space where you can enjoy sport the way it was meant to be enjoyed without being a horrible person. We actually have a lot of Lewis Hamilton fans that follow us, which I think is... I'm, I'm Sometimes I'm a bit like, why are you here? But you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, and I think what is nice is that you're also very... But it's good because it means sorry. they're not bad for me. 
that's okay. no what i think is nice is that you're also quite uh, you have a, a quite an interactive community so you know on like you were mentioning fanamp and then on discord people can talk but also on, on instagram where you ask people to make predictions about the race and the, like the nicest or funniest three or or the ones you <laughs> you would like to actually see win i don't know how you select them but uh, you know they get to to <laughs> to present them in the in the broadcast very i think it's very nice to have an interactive place where people um, also, like you say, feel safe to say whatever they feel, whatever they want, uh, as long as it's, you know, um, because you are right. I think in a lot of social medias, there's, there's, um, yeah, not all, not everyone's always treating each other in, in, in the right ways. It's nice to have places where people can actually just, you know, relax and be themselves and speak their mind. Mm -hmm. No, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know be silly like with the forecast game on our discord like we we always make fun of each other for incredibly crazy production and nobody's going to be mocked for it or nobody's gonna be like oh you don't know anything about the sport if you think oscar's gonna win this race no we're just we're just know. like that's bold <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i think this is actually how we came up with the idea of um asking people for their craziest podium because um, there's someone on our Discord who always has those crazy predictions, and when we and we ask her, oh, how do you think that's gonna happen? And she always comes with those crazy scenario, and it's quite entertaining, especially after a season where, you know, Max is always on top. It's nice to imagine scenarios where that's not what happens, and yeah, it's it's fun. Oh, we we know that all too well. We ourselves uh, banter often and vocally we have a we have a friend who also has been on the podcast a few times and and he makes uh he definitely makes some wild predictions every every week which can be quite entertaining when you when you're bantering back and forth <laughs> about why those decisions were made but i agree with everyone here i think that it's it's really important and um to to be able to communicate in a in a free and open way where you know, in a sport where there's multiple teams, there's multiple drivers, not everybody is going to have the same opinion that is clear. Not everybody is going to have the same driver. And um, it's a lot more enjoyable when you welcome that and uh, you create spaces where you can communicate that freely and, and more so create engaging conversations about the differences of, of drivers and teammates and, and just opinions overall. Um, and instead of alienating people for their viewpoints because because you can learn a lot through conversation and also um also just having community in this sport is is something that is is really an important i think a really important facet of f1 as a whole is just the community you have a sport that's worldwide and so to be able to have something that everyone shares and to embrace that is a really special is a really special thing yeah, absolutely. And what I, what I think is interesting with this sport specifically is like a lot happens to those 20 drivers, but the broadcast is biased in its own way that it can't show you everything. So, but we also through F1 TV and Sky Sport, we now have access to the onboard. So for example, we always watch the races from Max and Daniel's onboard. But right now, like today, Daniel's race was not covered at all. So nobody knows what happened to him. So we like being able to sort of like say, oh, this is what happened. This is what the engineer said. This is what Daniel reported. The tire situation caused this. And another account might do the same about Alex Albon's race. And someone else might be a Haas fan and do it about Haas. And it's so great that as a community, we can sort of like, you know, bring new things, new information that are available but you don't have time to 
watch 20 onboards and analyze the laps of 20 drivers. So it's it's quite nice that we almost feel like we bring something that other people are not really bothering to, you know, search. Yeah, you have to be like really into a driver to sit in their onboard, like honestly, because a lot of it's quite boring. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think it is, it's quite a, a specific thing to motorsport and especially Formula One because you can't have on board for F2 or FE or it, it's quite nice that you know you can learn from everyone else because we don't experience the races the same way and so someone will be like oh my god AlphaTauri is horrible and we'll be like yes but actually and it's it's quite great we all have something to bring to the table even though we're all you know what, what do you call it sofa expert armchair, armchair experts yeah yeah, that is it's very well put. Armchair uh, experts. <laughs> uh, yeah. I so like for that. anyone who's listening and not following Maya Manon, um, uh, I well, I, I know on the Instagram, um, you can find them uh, by searching uh, Mania on board. That's just written as one word, no underscores, no dots. Um, on the other platforms, um, how how to find you? I guess looking for Mania on board. Yeah, it's the same on YouTube and TikTok. And if you really want to follow us on Twitter, where we're not really active, it's Mania underscore on board because Mania on board was already taken. Such a shame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that concludes talking about the Las Vegas Grand Prix. Do you girls have anything in mind for what's going to happen during the next weekend, uh, the last race of the season? Mm-hmm. Well, it's not going to be Abu Dhabi 2021, is it? (laughs) Yeah, it's not (laughs) going to be dramatic. I think it will be quite a nice ending to the season. Like, I feel like there's loose ends to be tied up. Even though Max and Chaco, they are where they are. I think constructors-wise, there's a lot lot at stake. And I guess that means, I mean, constructors means more to the teams in terms of, like, it meaning something to absolutely everyone. And I think it's really cool that there's still those battles to be had. Yeah, and I mean, I know we had Mexico not long ago, but I felt like we haven't had a non-sprint regular race in so long, and I'm looking forward to watching them race somewhere they're familiar with, somewhere they're comfortable with, somewhere where they get three free practices, no problem, a good quality, a good race. Like, I'm actually looking, like, I'm glad that this is where they do the final battles, and I'm looking forward to see how Ferrari and, and Mercedes play the team game mm. because you know in the past few races we always had George complaining like oh are we playing together or against each other Ferrari they're really even as well so I wonder if they're going to be asked to really work with work with the other and not focus on their own potential win so yeah I'm looking forward to see how those two teams are I think there's only four on. points in it, in it no between the two of them I think Ferrari's mm-hmm. at 388 so and, and Mercedes 392 so yeah it is exciting indeed yeah and i think aston martin and mclaren are like 15 points maybe like somewhere between 15 and 20 el- points 11 uh, points oh 11 yeah maybe. 11 points 11 points, yeah. yeah mclaren's still oh, that's so, doable. so yeah is fernando going to go back on his radio and tell Lance how to drive like he did like <laughs> back in the days in miami yeah that's exciting. Well, and I mean, with Stroll and, you know. performing quite well in the last two races, I mean, he got he got two good mm-hmm. finishing positions. I mean, um, uh, that's that's something I didn't expect towards the end of the season. So um, yeah, he's he's been getting P five. So uh, maybe he can put something in that battle too. I think it would be interesting to see Alpine as well uh, if we're talking about drivers uh, comparisons because even in this race pre- and and to the previous one. 
um, but more notably in this one, uh, they, yeah. they seem to have a little bit of wheel-to-wheel -wheel action. And I think that they're both drivers that you see right now in terms of performance. Um, they're very close. Uh, Gasly had a fantastic qualifying. Ocon had a fantastic race result. So I, I'm I'm interested in that driver pairing uh, just because of the closeness and the little bit of heat that they clearly have to see them go into Abu Dhabi and just, you know, see what happens. Yeah. They're also only four points apart. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. At the beginning of the season, I said I want Alpine to show us a real battle. And I mean, they have, but it's been because they've been inconsistent. So hopefully... They've had a battle internally more than externally. Yeah, hopefully next they? season, because <laughs> we know season. how even they are. I really want them to have a battle. It's. I'm looking at yeah, the standings really and there's 12 points between Carlos, Fernando, Lando and Charles. So everything's on the table for the battle for P4 in the championship. Quite. Fernando Alonso and Carlos yeah, Sainz are on right. equal 200 points going to the last season. That's with Lando Norris only five points behind. What could have been if Lando hadn't DNF today? Yeah. It's quite exciting. Mm. Looking forward to it. We have a lot of lot of questions that will hopefully be answered next weekend when uh, or next race weekend when we see uh, exactly where everyone finishes, uh, whether it's constructors or drivers in the standings. So that's going to be really cool. Um, I'm lo I'm definitely looking forward to it, but also with mixed emotion because it is the last race of the season. So uh, of course we're going to have a break, um, and then after that we head into 2024. And honestly, without looking too far ahead into the following year i will say this that i'm really looking forward to uh to how the start of next season is going to be especially with uh the way that the, the clearly a lot of teams have put towards the end of the season more focus into their 2024 car and after this year and a lot of um of of changes and and things uh from from team standpoints like in in terms of uh the cars and the build and the and the make and trying to get their feet uh more on solid ground we saw a lot of teams that excelled in like certain teams that excelled eventually in that like mclaren and we've seen others that have kind of gone up and down like aston martin and mercedes and so I, I, you know, with the, with the actual um, results of 2023, when this is finalized in Abu Dhabi, regardless, it's it's going to be really, really interesting going into next year and seeing exactly where, you know, how people have learned from mistakes and, and how they've um, adapted to, to really like where the performance is going to be. So I look forward to that. And I believe yeah. Red Bull actually are changing a lot of things when it comes to um, their car itself into 2024. They're taking some risks. So that's going to be also uh, really interesting to see at the beginning of next year. Yeah, I think that's going to be a lot of exciting things. I think, yeah, Red Bull have decided they're going to go a different direction because they don't want to keep going with what they've got because other people are going to catch up with them. I'm excited to see what McLaren can do if their car's good from the beginning of the season, like... I think they can do amazing things. And then who from the bottom is going to uh, really pick themselves up? Williams is going to come alive. AlphaTauri is going to have um, the Wish version of RB19. Like, everything can happen. <laughs> the Wish version. <laughs> True, they are. <laughs> Maybe the real thing. Actually. They're just going to repaint it. And is Alpine going to have... I mean, with, with their investors now, they have, they have quite a few... Um, 
well-known sports and celebrities that have invested recently into the team and then with their with their shakeup this year and their their ups and downs from a managerial standpoint I wonder what what next year will hold for them too. There's a lot of lot of unanswered questions that um, that definitely will will probably have more answers or maybe more questions depending on wh- where they start for 2024. Yeah, yeah. and you were saying Alpha Tauri, but what are we going to call them next year? Exactly. Oh, good point. I hope good it's point. a cheap clothing brand so that we can buy them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really wonder why it still hasn't been announced. Like, yeah, that's I'm kind of surprising. Sure they'll do it the day after Abu Dhabi. That's true, because it's bad. After it's Abu bad Dhabi. for Alpha Tauri who have paid for the sponsorship for another that's, year. That's a good point. Maybe that's oh, even that might even be an agreement between the team and and, and Alpha Tauri that they can't give it yeah. up yet before that. Yeah, and then there'll be that a really sense. awkward photo shoot with Daniel and Yuki and their new like Adidas <laughs> outfit. <laughs> already wearing the, the the clothes of the new sponsor like they'll come the out of the car ones, right? in the new <laughs> yeah all right well <laughs> thank you very much for coming on the podcast my Eminon. it was great yeah nice thank you so much it's been a pleasure us. to have you both on it's been fun yeah, even if i loved the game oh no i i thoroughly enjoyed it especially the banter that was definitely that was definitely fun we'll, so we'll give you a I, chance a of a rematch both rematch at some point Okay, yeah. I'll come prepared. <laughs> I'll do my research. He's gonna come with a spreadsheet. Yeah, every week I'll do percentages and stuff to see what nice. the perfect is on. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Sam's already shaking. No, actually, We're all about the data, you know. <laughs> <laughs>